Thank you for supporting Overcomers Christian Center. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message leaves you feeling empowered and equipped. Flesh from a natural perspective can bring about good things. For example, your flesh can tell you that you need water or hydration because you're thirsty. It can tell you that you need nourishment or food because of the lack of it. Flesh can, flesh has desires. And sometimes we can try to satisfy those desires the wrong way or an evil way. Evil is defined as a wicked, bad, wrong, uh, most importantly, I want us to think about is contrary to God's word. And one thing I thought about when I was thinking about that particular statement is this. Sometimes you can take what is good and turn it into something that is not good. For example, the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. Nothing wrong with money, but if you put it in the wrong perspective, it can actually become evil or contrary to God's word. And see, being the disciple of Jesus, we must know the right way and not be influenced by the flesh. Influence means simply means the capacity to have an effect on the character or behavior of someone or something. See, when we're a disciple, a follower, or a learner, or a pupil of Jesus, it's a lifelong and beneficial process in which we're constantly learning how to achieve the will of God in our lives despite the things that try to influence us not to do it. One reason I believe it's a great process is because as born-again believers, we have godly truth. Godly truth that comes from God's written and revealed word to help guide us along the way. What do I mean by truth? I mean by what is correct under any situation. It is free from error. Let's go to John chapter 8, verse 31 and verse 32. The book of John, chapter 8, verses 31 and verse 32. It reads as follows. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you should know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Free to obey God and not be influenced by the negative or things that are contrary to scripture. See, free is not free to do anything you want to do, but free so you can obey the word of God. And that's why it's so essential that we make a daily choice to abide in the word of God. In other words, I must remain in his word. I must continue in his word. And then that truth that works in me is going to cause me or put me in a position to obey his written and revealed word. We make the decision to remain in the word of God despite trials, tribulations, hardships, and so forth, our thinking, our talking, and the way we conduct our lives will be more in line with God's word. You see here in John 8, 31 and 32, he's talking to the Jews who believe. 
In other words, I'm saying not all the Jews who believe, I'm talking about the members here at Overcomers Christian Center who are persuaded by God's word, who trust his word, who have confidence and assurance in the word of the living God. See, it's difficult to abide and remain in the word of God and continue his word when we have not placed our confidence in his word. We must have confidence in the word of God. And see, it's there where we look at the scripture. It brings about the different stages or different levels of freedom that comes from knowing him. We must believe and place our confidence in Jesus. We must abide in his word. We must know and understand his word. We got to rightly divide the word of God. And then we must allow the truth that we know to make us free. And free there means to for to be set at liberty from the dominion of sin. When I say I'm free, sin no longer has an influence on my life, causing me to think and to talk contrary to the word of God. And as we remain in the word of God, the word is working out sin in us and working in obedience to his word in our life. In other words, we see things like when the word is working in us, fear is going out and faith is coming in. Did y'all see that? Fear is going out and faith is coming in. Hate is going out and love is going in. Let me say that one again. Hate is going out and love is going in. Um, Forgiveness is going out and forgiveness is coming in. Unforgiveness is going out and forgiveness is coming in. Are you seeing how the word is working? Something's going out and then God is replacing it with something that is more beneficial to your life. I appreciate that. Poverty is going out (laughs) and prosperity is coming in. Let me say that one more time. Poverty is going out and prosperity is coming in. Sickness is going out and healing is coming in. Sickness is going out and healing is coming in. Are you seeing how the word is working in us? When you abide in the word of God, you can see this working in your life. We make a choice to follow the guidance and direction of the Holy Spirit. We'll be, we'll, excuse me, when we do, let me go back again, go back again. When we make a choice not to follow the guidance and the direction of the Holy Spirit, we might be tempted to rely on our own ability, our own, own way of doing things, our own confidence and standards and abilities and achievements and so forth. Our mindset might begin to credit the favor that we experienced with the banker during the house or the business loan instead of our relationship with God. And one thing I've learned over the years in and dealing with uh, different businesses and so forth, you got to have a relationship with Jesus. Folks retire, they get another job and something else goes on. You better know what to do. You can't panic because so-and-so is not working at a certain place. If God told you to go there, you got to believe that his favor is on your life, no matter who's working on the other side. We might be tempted to stop putting God first, but rely on our education, our wealth, our family status, who we know, intellect, and so forth to fulfill our purpose instead of relying on the Holy Spirit who may use these attributes, but it's not limited by these attributes. 
Isn't it good to know that God can use your intellect, but he's not limited by your intellect? Ooh, that's good right there, God. I thank God he will use my wealth, but he's not limited by my wealth. He'll use my education, but he's not limited by my education. He'll use what I know, but he's not limited what I know. Therefore, God knows everything. He's unlimited, and he can do all things save him. He is a God that is not defeated. Even in biblical times, we see great men and women of God who can, who have been tempted to rely on their reputation with man and their experiences in life. See, Paul is an excellent example of a person who could have relied on his intellect, could have relied on his ability, could rely on his bilingual skills. Remember Paul, uh, somebody, I remember they said that Paul knew several different languages. He could have relied on his reputation because he wrote He wrote two thirds of the New Testament. Paul could have relied on uh, he was doing miracles in churches, starting churches. Paul could have relied on his ability. But Paul said, I got something better for you. I got something better for you. Follow what I'm telling you. Listen, you'll not be limited by your own ability. You'll not be limited by the people on your job or on your business. You'll not be limited when folks will try to tell you no when God has already told you yes. You will not be limited by man. I'm sorry. That got personal right there. I'm sorry. Let's go to Philippians chapter 3 and verse 1. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 1. Paul is, has wrote a church to the letter, to me, to the letter, to the church at Philippi. And in the third chapter, remember this is one big letter, but we're taking up the part of the letter which, where he's addressing them about a certain issue. In fact, Paul is going to get a little personal in this particular issue, and he's going to, believe me, he not only is helping the church at Philippi, but he's helping the church here today. He knows for Philippians, excuse me, Philippians chapter three and verse one. I'll read that and we'll go back and talk a little bit about it. He says, finally, my brother, rejoice in the Lord, for to me to write the same thing to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. So I like this. He's telling them, I want you to rejoice. I want you to be glad. I want you to be happy. I want you to listen. I want you to be happy about what? The word of God. Be happy about it. Be happy about it. See, in the first part of it, he must have sent something in his spirit that said that the church was not in a good place emotionally. So he told them to rejoice in the Lord. Despite your ups and your downs, rejoice. Despite the chaos that's going on around you, rejoice. Despite trials and tribulations, rejoice. Be happy in the Lord. And I notice this, he's giving the choice up to us. He's not letting kinfolks, family members, to other church members, co-workers and such like determine if we're going to rejoice or not. It's up to us to rejoice. And see, I believe that Paul knew just like we must know that we must make a decision to be happy and glad despite the circumstances that's going on around you. And one thing I know about life, what you're dealing with right now is real. I mean, it's real. And don't nobody know how real it is like you do. 
because you got responsibilities. You got things going on in your life and it just got real. I mean, it, I mean, it got real. Listen, listen, when they called you, it was real. That phone call was no lie. It was no joke. When they said this to you, it was not a lie. And you still got to be happy despite that. You still got to let them know, hey, my God's still going to supply the need. I don't know how we're going to do it, but I know he's going to take care of me. I don't know how he's going to do this, that, and the other. Doctor said, I don't know what to do, but God always knows what to do. Listen, the, the lawyer may say, listen, you're in a bad shape. Oh, but not with God. God says I can do all things, but fail. Why? Because he's not defeated. Oh, y'all were singing the song but we're happy a while ago. You got to believe that you're not going to be defeated when trials and tribulations come your way. When they get real in your life. In fact, look at somebody say, you just got real. <laughs> oh, when it get real, sometimes, listen, it'll make you want to go in oppression or depression. When it get, when it get real, it'll make you want to quit and give up. Like that testimony. Cause it got real in her testimony, what she was talking about. That was real stuff right there. We said, hey, I don't know. We gonna listen. You better, you better, it may go to plan C cause plan A about to fall to the wayside. That's real talk right now. That's real talk. And you ain't lived long enough till you had plan A. You better throw that thing to the side. You ain't lived long enough till you said, listen, doctor said this is it right here. Oh, you ain't lived long enough till you had your finances say, hey, we ain't finna do nothing. I mean, you pull that count up and it said, we ain't finna do nothing. I thought we were getting ready to go somewhere for it, but you like, Carol says, no, we ain't going nowhere. Thought you been get a steak? Carol says, hot dogs. <laughs> That's real talk. You know what you better do? You better get them hot dogs, get you some mustard, some ketchup, some sauerkraut, and boil them things up and be happy about it. Don't you let the enemy intimidate you about your account. And somebody call you and say, listen, I, I got a steak for you. Come on and get it. You better go get that steak. That God tried to tell you, hey, I told y'all supply to me. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Get out of there because some of y'all about get, y'all about left, left this congregation thinking about a steak on the grill or something. Stay with me now. Stay with me now. In the second part of this text, he gives some of a reason for writing this familiar passage. In other words, the information may not be new to you by writing with purpose. We have to be careful not to miss the detail of God's word because we've heard it before or can quote the scripture. Oh, pastor, last week. Oh, he preached that two weeks ago. That's the same thing he put on the sermon notes three weeks ago. Listen, if God wants me to put it back on there, I got to put it back on there. Because why? Somebody needs to hear it. If God got to change the whole service, one person, God would do it. And you know what? I'm happy to do it because I could be that one person he's changing it for. And sometimes I need God to stop the service. Hey, Dobbs, I need to tell you something right now. I'm going to supply your need. I'm going to heal your body. I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to prosper you. I'm going to heal your body. I'm going to heal your mind. I am going to do it. And if God got to repeat it again and again, Sunday after Sunday, every Sunday, if God got to say, I'm going to deliver you, I'm going to protect you, I'm going to heal you mentally and physically and prosper you. I say, God, tell us every Sunday. 
Tell us every Sunday. Because every week we fight a devil. I'm sorry, you must not fight no devil. But the rest of us, we fight devils. There's a devil that tries to send false in our mind and tell us we ain't going to make it. There's a devil that sends all kinds of crazy thoughts in our head and tell us that this ain't going to work. But God said, this is working. Let me remind you and tell you the same thing again next week. I'm going to tell you this week. Let me remind you what you heard all throughout the week when you're in your devotion time. Let me remind you what they talked about on Sunday school. Do not fear. Remember when to that season where we talked about not fear? Don't be intimidated. Don't let the enemy talk you out of this, that, and the other. It was a reason God kept saying that over and over again. Because he didn't want his church to operate in fear. Oh, I can tell you some stories right now. I had somebody come to me one other day and said, uh, Pastor, y- y- y'all meeting? And it caught me off guard. And I said, what do you mean? Are we meeting? I, I mean, I just had to, I had to think about that. And I almost responded in myself. But I had to go back and just say, we know some people are not led to go back to service yet. And uh, But we just, you can, you welcome to come be with us until y'all meet again. And I just kind of left it like that. I'm like, you know, because some people just, they're just fearful. That's why they meet. I think let's be real. Let's just put the cards on the table. They just feel. That's all it is. I, I know it, but I, I can't tell everybody what I think. But I know spiritually speaking, because I know their members go everywhere else. They go everywhere. I see them at the stores, places I go to, dollar store, roosters. I mean, everywhere I go to, they be in the same stores up there talking about what we do about. Oh, please. So we have sometimes we have to say it over and over again. Are y'all seeing the text here? Keep saying it over and over again. Notice what he said here in Philippians 3 and 1. He says, for my finally, my brother, rejoice in the Lord for me to write the same thing to you. It's not tedious. I'm not going backwards. I'm not being slowful. But for you, it is safe. Those he says, you're going to be trustworthy. You're going to be relied on. This is secure. This is going to secure you. This is going to establish you. He also wrote the same thing over in the book of a very similar thing because the church at Thessalonica was going through something very similar. Go to the first Thessalonians chapter one and verse six. First Thessalonians chapter one and verse six. They were going through a rough trial at Thessalonica. Notice what it says here. And you become followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction. Notice this. They were receiving the word in affliction, in tribulation, in distress. Even the enemy was trying to oppress them, but they chose to receive the word of God with joy. It lets me know we can't make an excuse because we're going through something not to receive the word. Paul said this church was going through a horrendous trial. They were being persecuted. They were being oppressed and they still received the word of God with joy. He's telling us just like he's telling the church at Thessalonica, church at Philippi and the church here in Villarica. Whatever we're dealing with, we got to receive the word of God with joy. Got to be happy about it. Hey, you're not the only church that has to deal with oppressive thoughts and 
people that are trying to afflict you and bring tribulation and distress in your life. But you got to receive the word of God with joy. You got to receive it with joy. You got to take your mindset. You got to understand. I got to receive the word of God with joy. Now, it goes on to say here, he knows that the more we abide in the word of God, the more truth we will know and apply, and the more we will increase. Again, we'll know the truth, and the truth will make us free. It's the truth that we apply that makes us free, liberated from the bondage and the guilt of sin. So the word will show you why you are happy. I like that. The word will show you why you're happy. Why am I happy, Pastor Dog? Well, he said he's going to supply my need. Hey, I'm happy about that. He said the joy of the Lord is my strength. Oh, I, I like that. I'm happy about that. I got peace that passes all understanding. I'm happy about that. I'm happy. See, the word shows me why I'm happy. And so I apply that word. Therefore, I need to study, continue to study, to show myself approved unto God. A workman need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I've got to study. Woo. Lift your hand and say, Lord, help me to study. That's it. Because when I study, I'm gonna, I can apply it. See, that's why we, we don't allow afflictions, tribulations, oppressive faults, and so forth to hinder our spiritual growth and maturity. Trials, tribulations, hard times will come. They're part of the process that makes us stronger believers. Tough times will build your, tough times will build your integrity. They build character in the we build character in the midst of calamities. Peter bears witness to how trials will test us and perfect us and mature us. First Peter four and twelve. First Peter four and verse twelve. He specifically tells us not to be surprised by situations of people who pop up in your life to test your character. Don't be surprised by First Peter four and twelve. Beloved, do not think it strange. Don't be surprised. Don't be astonished. Don't concerning the fiery trial, when they test your character, don't be surprised about it. Mm, I like that, God. I don't know. I don't like going through it, but I can't be surprised by it. When I'm on my job or in my business, I can't be surprised if a supervisor tries to test my character. I can't be surprised when a family member tests my character. I can't be surprised when I'm in, I'm shopping, and they tested my character and got cameras on me and people watching me. I can't be surprised by it. I can't be surprised by it. Don't think it's strange when they try to test your character, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. You know how we go through, we act like we're surprised we're going through something. I'm, I guess I'm the only one. Let me just, let me just, let me be real with y'all just real quick. Sometimes when I go through stuff, I like, why am I going through? Didn't I just pray? Didn't I go to church Sunday morning? Didn't I treat four people right today? I know I dealt with ten, but I treat four of them good. Since I treat these four people right, I should be good for the rest of the week. I shouldn't be going through nothing. But isn't it when you, you try to do your best, that's when all kinds of stuff to happen in your life. Isn't it like when people at your school will test you when you're trying to, you know, listen, you did your homework. You have turned it in. You you didn't talk. I just been in a situation where I was tempted to talk. Well, I was sitting in there in the classroom, 
and they were saying stuff that sounded good. I wanted to comment on it. I said, this time I'm not going to say nothing. And then you get back in there and the whole classroom get in trouble. And you think in my mind, I should have said something. Because if I'm going to get in trouble, I might as well get in trouble for something I did. Oh, y'all remember, oh, y'all remember stuff like that? Y'all remember stuff like that? Y'all remember, like, we just played ball and one person would mess up and they make the whole team run. And you want to grab that person. I'm going to say bring them to Jesus, but you want to lay hands. <laughs> Woo. But when you think it not strange, you're doing good, and all of a sudden something happens to you, and you say, well, I know, I know. Think it not strange. Think it not strange. Don't walk away from Jesus because something happened to you, all right? Stay with him because it, it happens. Let me tell you, it happens to everybody. It happens to everybody. Woo! Let's go back to Philippians 3. This is the very interesting next verse, verse 2, that he brings to our attention that Paul wrote. He said, beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. This church got some issues going on. Paul would say, tell them, beware of dogs. So, so, so Paul is warning them, evidently by, by the Spirit, he said, hey, discern. No. Beware of your surroundings. Know them that labor among you. But you got if you're not careful, there's some people that got this dog spirit. A dog spirit, they're impure, of, a person of impure mind. They don't show respect to others. Shameless. They don't value your relationship with Jesus. They don't value the fact that you are loving God and you want to do right by God. They don't value the fact that you believe in God. Listen, if you don't believe in what I do, this don't bother me. Don't tell me that my prayers are not working, though. Don't tell me my giving is in vain. Because you may not respect my God, but don't make me try to disrespect my God. Respect my God. Those what they call that dog spirit. Then you got them evil workers. They're wicked workers. They're one who labors for wrong purposes. I like this definition. They got an evil agenda. They have a wicked or ungodly agenda. These individuals work iniquity. They're going to try to do what is wrong according. Excuse me. They're going to know what God's word said, but they're going to do the opposite of it. They're going to know that God wants us to pray, but they're going to tell you you don't have to pray. They're going to tell you that you ain't got to love everybody when God tells you to love. God's word is true, but yet they want to do the opposite of it. And what they're trying to do is they'll try to work through your ungodly desires of the flesh. Remember, there's some things that you do in the flesh that are fine. You know, eating's fine. Drinking water's fine. Sleeping's fine. But but don't let that control your life more than God. Understand that? 
mutilation. Mutilation, interesting term because the removal of an essential part of the body or a removal of something that is essential. There are spirits that will try to work through your flesh to try to remove the spiritual things from your life. They'll try to remove witnessing from your life. They'll try to remove love from your life. They'll try to remove giving from your life. They'll try to remove church from your life. They're trying to mutilate or remove something that is essential from your life. This congregation was experiencing some evil influences, guys and such like. They're trying to cause havoc directly or indirectly. Trying to influence through the flesh for people to do evil. Sad, but it's out there. Unfortunately, we're living in 2021 and there are people that are trying to do the same thing today. And as a church, we have to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit and prayerful to observe and know which is a dog, evil worker or mutilated trying to work with our flesh, trying to work against our flesh for us to do evil. See, some people are not happy until they, they pull you to the point that you're cut off from the body of Christ. Corrupt company will cause us to be outside of the will of God. David ran across the same type people when he was walking on this earth. Go with me to the book of Psalms, chapter 6 and verse 8. Psalms, chapter 6 and verse 8. See, we can learn from David when individuals make a conscious decision to make trouble, do wicked, as well as practice idolatry. We have to either ask them to leave or some way we be removed from their presence or most importantly, not allow them to influence us to do evil. We cannot allow people to influence us to do evil. Notice what David said in Psalms chapter 6 and verse 8. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. Notice what David told him. Depart from me, you who work iniquity. Depart. Go away from me. Be removed from me. Take, take this person away from me. Those who make trouble. Those who cause wickedness. Those who form idolatry. Those who form sorrow. And see, some of us need to remove these people influence from our minds. We need to remove them from our minds. So you may work with somebody, you can't leave, but you can remove their influence from your mind. You can live. Listen, you may have family members you have to deal with, but you can remove their influence from your mind. Some people have more. This is sad to say, but I got to say it though. There's some people... Allow other people to have more influence in their life than the Holy Spirit. They allow the Holy, listen, the Holy Spirit can be trying to lead them and guide them in all truth, but yet that person got more influence than God does. And it's sad that Paul was writing this letter and David wrote this particular letter and he had, they are, he's addressing it to church people. You can't, listen, I'm your pastor. I still don't need more influence than God in your life. I never want to be in a place where I got more influence than God in your life. 
God has to be your Lord and your Savior. You need to go to him first. In all of our ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. I should be one. Listen, I should be on the back burner when it comes to God. God has to be your influence. And when somebody has allows a human being to have more influence than God, something wrong with that picture. Let me tell you, over the years, I've always tried my best to keep people. Hey, you don't put me above God now. Oh, mm -mm, no, no. I had to cut people off. Hey, no, mm -mm, you don't do stuff like that. Because you as a person can allow people to get in that, that mindset. If you find somebody in your life like that, cut them off. Hey, don't you let nobody, hey, what you say? What you say? What you want to do? What should I do? And what should I say? And what should I do? Hey, you better pray. You may know, but you can't say that because they put you in a place you don't need to be in. Everybody see that? And see, this is why we can't allow the evil influence of the flesh to bombard our minds. Paul remains, let's go back to Philippians 3, and verse 3. Paul reminds them that they are of the circumcision who worship the God in spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence, notice what he says here, in that latter part, in the flesh. Now, circumcision is a very interesting word there because it means Simple definition, separated from the unclean multitude and truly consecrated to God. So Paul was saying, I'm reminding you that you're separated from the unclean and you're consecrated to God. Since you're consecrated to God, you worship God in the spirit. Those remembering John 4, he said, they that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. He also says, rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. We don't allow the flesh, amen, to influence our life to do things that are contrary to God's word. So here, he's given us three more character traits of this great church and ones we should emulate. One, we need to worship, worship God. Worship the one true and living God. We need to rejoice in Christ Jesus. And the latter part is we have no confidence. We don't need to be persuaded or comply with or yield to the flesh. The flesh in this in this particular terminology is the human nature of man not under divine influence. The human nature of man not under divine influence. Carnal nature which opposes God. So notice when we talk about the flesh in this terminology, we don't need to have confidence in something that is contrary to God's word. That is contrary to God's written and the real word. But notice if we do what they tell Philippians 3 and 3 tells us to do, we can grow and mature in Christ. We can be better worshipers of God. We can rejoice in God. And we can learn how to have no confidence in the evil influence of the flesh. Notice what I said, the evil influence of the flesh. Again, the flesh can also tell you some things that are good. The flesh can tell you tired, you need to rest. Everybody understand that? I'm not talking about that. 
I'm talking about the things that are contrary to Scripture. The Bible tells us we need to rest. So, But I'm talking about these things that are contrary to Scripture. Now, Paul goes on to give, to give us his personal testimony to the church that if anyone might have confidence in the flesh, it would be him. Philippians 3, 4 and verse 5. Notice from Philippians chapter 3, verse 4 and verse 5, how it reads. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else think he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised, notice what his resume reads. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. So notice Paul here, he had a impressive, well, I can say it's impressive, but it was definitely a resume of sorts. He, he was circumcised the eighth day. Now actually, in the Old Testament, you were actually, uh, by, under Moses' law, you were asked to be circumcised the eighth day, uh, as it was written. So he did it just like Moses' law told him to do. Second thing he talks about there is of the stock uh, of Israel. He was of Israel. He was of God's chosen people to be saved. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. He was of the people of Benjamin. Benjamin is the son of the right hand or the son of good fortune. He was of that particular uh, lineage. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was the Israelite, his native language, Aramaic or Greek, or probably most people think so, uh, the Hebrews. Concerning the law, the rules, commands of God, he knew the word of God. He knew the Old Testament and how it should operate. That's for he was killing Christians before he got born again because he had a zeal, a zeal which was a, he, he was passionate. He was definitely excited. He embraced this particular job, but he was doing it the wrong way because he was persecuting the church. He was persecuting the church. So you can have a zeal, but just have it the wrong way. That's what's wrong with Paul in that particular text. And unfortunately, we see it today. People say they're doing us wonderful, but are really doing more harm than good. That's why you got to be led by the Holy Spirit. Eight, concerning righteousness, he was uh, blameless. He was blameless. He knew the word. He knew the word. He was, uh, he had integrity. He had a pure life. He was free from fault or defect. See, Paul knew that within his personal ability, he could have trusted in his ability along with his attributes, his accomplishments, his skill level, his know-how. Paul could have trusted in that because Paul was no joke. He had accomplished much. And I know there's some people in the sanctuary, you've accomplished a whole lot in your walk. You've, you've bought houses, you bought lands, you've got education, you did all types of things. And these are wonderful things, but they should not be more valuable than Christ. They should not be more valuable in Christ. What I wrote down here, I'm sure Paul is not alone. 
We can get in our heads that our ability, our strength, our talent, our wealth, our health, our favor, who we know, who we don't know, our intellect and so forth has the ability to achieve certain goals and objectives and achievements. And I'm not saying your accomplishments or talents cannot play a significant role in your life. We can support your livelihood, your goals, your objective, as well as be a benefit to you and your family. But is Christ the head of your life? Nothing wrong with your skills. I thank God you're skillful. Thank God you're educated. I thank God you got all types of talents and abilities. But they should never be more, more important than Christ. You never put Christ on the back burner for because of something that you got the skill and the ability to do. Notice what Paul said in Philippians 3 and 7. But what things were gained, I considered these things and advantaged to me. These I have counted, I considered them lost for Christ. Paul was very, you see that he was very educated. He was very skilled, but he put no confidence in his ability. Paul was teaching the church at Philippi and the church here at Villarica. We cannot put confidence in our ability. We got to depend on Christ. Don't care how good you can drive. You still need to pray before you drive. I don't care how good you can cook. You still better pray with that food before you eat it. I don't care how good you can sing that song. You better, amen, acknowledge him in all your ways and let him direct your path. I don't care how good you can teach this word. You still got to pray. Say, God, what do you want me to have for the people? I don't care how long. You can know John 3, 16. You can quote it. All I care. But if you don't get a revelation from God, what good is it? Because I need a revelation that's going to help me for what I'm dealing with on July the 4th, 2021. Thank God for what you told me last year, but I need a right now word. I need a right now word that's going to bring me healing, that's going to bring me deliverance, going to help me to defeat the devil and all his imps. I need a right now word. How many say you need a right now word? Woo, sha ta ta ta. Even after Paul listed all these amazing attributes, he was free enough to let those things that were gained to him, he counted them loss. See, in my opinion, what Paul achieved and accomplished from a natural standpoint was amazing. Your education and financial accomplishments and relationship accomplishments, your career and job accomplishments are all admirable. But should they be more valuable than our relationship with Jesus? My wife and I asked me how long we've been married. I say 30 some years. What's the secret? Jesus. Y'all me get real deep with it? Jesus. What's your secret? Capital J, capital E, capital S, capital U, capital S. How are we going to stay married? Jesus. We can't take each other for granted. She's going to be there when I get home. She, I can act crazy. I'm grateful she come home because I, I can be some a handful to deal with. But this is what you got to understand. I heard, she, I heard my sister say amen. All right. I got you. Got you. All right. Be with me now. Be with me. We can't take one another for granted. And let me take this a little bit further. We can't take our church members for granted. 
We can't take our musicians for granted. We can't take our ushers for granted. We can't take the help team for granted. We can't take the men for granted. We can't take our givers for granted. We can't take our prayers for granted. We can't take those that put together boxes for granted, that go out into the community, our deacons for granted, our youth for granted. We can't take this church for granted. And you can get in that position. Oh, he'll be there to open. He'll be there to play. He'll be there to stand on, stand at the door. He'll be there to armor bear. She'll be there to get his. They'll be there to do. We can start to take one another for granted. And we never want to be a church that takes one another for Always appreciate the individuals who work in your auxiliaries as well as a part of your church family. Now, some people find it hard after all the work they have accomplished, all the sacrifices they have made, all the finances they put into it, all the things they've given up. To achieve their goal, their accomplishments, their educational status, their position in this particular business or company. After everything they've done and everything they have accomplished, they find it hard. They find it hard to put something above that. Find it hard. They don't work no hard to get that car. Got it paid off. Shiny. Got some new wheels on it, some rims. Got some 24s on it, whatever they say these day. And that God said, you got to give that up for me. Now you got to start bringing people to church in the 24s. You just cleaned it up yesterday. And you know the person you're to pick up, drop crumbs everywhere. They got children. And as soon as they get in the car, here, take the, take the cracker. <laughs> as soon as they open up the cracker, you know you got the cracker that soon as you open the cramps, crumbs start falling everywhere. You just spent two hours cleaning it up. Got it. I'm immaculate. That thing looking good. You see a mud hole, you want to go a mile around a mud hole because you ain't going through no dirt. You don't spend two hours cleaning that car. You see a dirt way down the road. Woo, I can't go this way. And then God said, go pick up. Soon you pick them up. They get in the car. Eh, eh, eh. Here, take the cracker. Cracker fall everywhere. And you got to pick them up on a dirt road. Can you give it up for Christ? You worked all that overtime? You finna get that thing, boy. Woo! You finna get that thing, boy. Oh, I got, oh, you see it, boy. You see it right there. There it is. Woo! There it is. You got that extra, extra thousand, boy. Woo! Woo! I give it, get it. And God says, I want you to put that in the offering. Woo! Well, let me put two dollars. I get it next. Give, give me two more months. I get it, dog. No, I need to put it in this Sunday. I'm not, this Sunday. I, 
God, you, woo! I see it, God. It's in my color. It's on sale, God. It was really fifteen hundred. It's a thousand. I got one thousand. I got the tax money and everything. And God said, "I want you to put that in the offering." Now, one thing about God, God ain't gonna argue with you. You know, He'll tell you about one time. Once you understand it, He gonna step back and see what you're gonna do. Now, let, let's be honest. Let's be real. Can I be real, y'all? Just a moment. Can, can I be? Can I be real? Don't tell nobody. I told y'all this, okay? About Pastor Dobbs. All right. In the past. I have went and bought it. <laughs> and say, Lord, forgive me, because I sure wanted it real bad. And when I got it, it was not, it cost me 3000 <laughs> After everything I had to do to it to get it right, back right, and everything else, I said, Lord, I should have went and gave 1000 I probably could have got it 500 <laughs> time is over, because you know how God is. God trying to see what, you, listen, God is never, I, I tell people, I tell people this sometimes when I'm talking to them. I said, the, it's never about the money. It's about your obedience. God gets you money anytime. 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 You think God's just sitting there on earth sweating about money? We ain't, we don't want to be going through, but God's never sweating about money. He's never sweating about money. But can you give it up? For Christ? It takes something. That's why you can't have no confidence in the flesh. You can't have confidence in things. Remember my definition of flesh? Things that oppose or opposite or contrary to God's written and revealed word. Can't have confidence in the flesh. Let me read. Um, Philippians 3 and 8. We're going to close with this one. Thank you for being patient. He says this. Sorry. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Why, Paul? That I may gain Christ. See, these things that got me to this place, that got me to where I am, I count them but loss. Because I realize they can't keep me there. I need Christ because when he takes me someplace, he got the power to keep me there. If he, he brings me to a place of peace, he got the power to keep me in peace. If he brings me to a place of healing, he's got the power to keep me healed. If he brings me to the place of redemption, he's got the power to redeem me and keep me redeemed. See, when God takes you someplace, he's got the power to keep you there. But your own intellect, your own wealth, oh, your wealth can run out. Don't take but one. That's why we put no confidence in the flesh. But our confidence, our assurance, our trust is in Him, in Jesus. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia, on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. 
That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at OCCVR.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.